Hi, welcome to the StoryWorth podcast. We're glad you're here. I'm your host, Krista Baum, co-founder of StoryWorth. On this podcast, we feature true stories written by StoryWorth writers. If you're new to StoryWorth, we help people write their life stories, the big stories and the small ones. Once a week, we send our writers a question to help inspire their writing. They reply to the email with an answer or story that comes to mind. At the end of the year, we print what they've written into a beautiful keepsake book. Every story written using StoryWorth is private. But for this podcast, the writers volunteered to share their stories publicly with you. It's almost Valentine's Day. Today, we celebrate love with a sweet story about love at first sight and working up the courage to say hello to the girl you've had a crush on all semester. Our story is written by Walt Ferris. It's the first day of our graduate study program at San Diego State University. Students are milling about, making introductions, and sizing each other up. We're all excited, curious, and a bit scared. Soon, I spy with my little eye one particularly intriguing and gregarious woman. She's socializing with her new friends, engaging and chatty and full of spark. I gaze at her long enough to be rude, but thankfully she's oblivious to my gaping mouth and stares. She's stunning, just strikingly beautiful. Every thread and hair follicle are luminously in place. She has the zing factor. One part of me says, "Uh, she's out of my league. Another part says, so what? You can do this. I continue to gaze at her. Suddenly, she's walking in my direction. I quickly do a breath and armpit check and kick myself for not using mouthwash that morning. Too late now. She draws closer. I look again. She looks at me. I avert my gaze. Damn, my shirt is getting sticky with sweat. My face is tingling. I'm short of breath. The situation is quickly becoming perilous. She walks past but says nothing. Like a schlub, I say nothing too. A fortuitous moment slips away. The next day, I walk into the classroom and there she is again. I thank God that I remember to brush my teeth as I make my way towards her. I walk past her, fixated on her shimmering eyes and beautiful skin. She's even more stunning today than yesterday. I keep staring at her, but she's too busy chatting with her friends to notice. My pace slows down as I cruise past her. I find a seat a couple of rows over. I'm all ears as I strain for the sound of her voice and a snippet of their conversation. My heart leaps for joy when I overhear she's not dating anyone. My eyes are feasting and my mouth watering. If she noticed I'm staring, I'll pretend there's something interesting to read on the blackboard behind her. I fantasize what it would be like to hang out with her after class in a bar cozying up over dinner at sunset, what we would name our children, spending my twilight years with her. My secret crush continues for the remainder of the semester. I see her walking around campus and always get the same visceral reactions. Still, no looks, no smiles, no words, no introductions, until near the end of the semester when the entire graduate class assembles for a convocation. I walk into the room and proceed up the aisle, looking for a friendly face and an empty chair. As I glance to my right, I see her, and she's staring at me. Boom! Lightning strike. Hold each other's gaze for a couple of seconds, then look away. 
oh my God, what did I just see? A palpable, unmistakable squirm, that telltale flinch, that click, and it wasn't just me. She's feeling it too. My heart is pounding, telling myself, dude, you have a chance. It's my beauty and the beast moment. I had to find a lame excuse to talk to her, yet I can't find the words. Please, not now. This is so weird. Use your words. Use your words. Use your words. Say something. Damn. Alas, another fortuitous moment slips away. Fantasy finally became reality at the end of the semester party. My roommate and I just finished up our final exams and were looking to blow off steam. We walk into the room and voila, there she is. I swoon a petite put at the side of her. I say to myself, I finally get to meet her. After chucking down a bottle of bravery and rehearsing a few smarmy pickup lines, I lunge into my carpe diem moment. I'm in full gonzo mode and I pray to God I don't creep her out. Oh, contraire, for the next several hours, we are conversing, chatting, laughing, and ruthlessly flirting with each other. She's talking, and I'm listening, and that's fine with both of us. I am drinking it all in. It's all there, the energy, the spark that captured me from the very beginning. The butterflies are swarming inside me. The romance needle is quivering to the extreme right. She's charming, she's gorgeous, she's funny, and she's intelligent. And for the next few hours, I think I am too. I am impossibly enthralled. That, ladies and gentlemen, was the start of a 41-year love affair. I am the very lucky man who gets to claim this caring, kind, and compassionate woman as my wife, my partner, my sidekick, my energizer bunny. That spark and verve I spoke about earlier, it still emanates from her. It's there in her tone of voice. You can see it in her eyes. You can feel it in your heart. Her warmth envelops you. When you spend time with her, you sense there is no one else she would rather talk to than you. She genuinely delights in being with you. I can recite these qualities and so much more. Her leadership, her vision, her passion for the Jewish community and its charitable causes, her helpfulness, her generosity with her feelings, and a deep commitment to her family and friends. The superlatives are limitless. I'll close here secure in the knowledge that I have been very fortunate to have been and still be in her sphere. No man is more fortunate than me. Well, hi, welcome. Could you guys introduce yourselves and tell us where you are? Well, my name is Walt Ferris, and uh, my wife and I have been married 43 years. Um, We are now located in Southern California, in Carlsbad, California. We have two children, 35-year-old daughter and 31-year-old son, with two, two young granddaughters. And you're Pam? I'm Pam. And I never expected to meet Walt, of course. I was 23 years old and young and naive and um, had been in a long relationship before. And I wasn't about to start another one and decided I wasn't going to continue to date just one person unless I thought they had potential. The stars really aligned then. I think they did. 
we were in the school of social work. And so anyway, we met six months later um, at a mutual friends party at the end of the first semester. So that was it. Okay, well, that's when you met him. But it sounds like he had his eye on you much earlier. I had no idea until that story was written. All of this that all of that went in, you know, and I I also want to say I remember going to some kind of an orientation before the school started, like a, a beach or something. And he had on these reds, red running shorts and he's you can't see but he's a very tall man and he had the most beautiful legs and he used to be a runner and I and I thought wow I noticed him I did notice him but for some reason I thought he was married and I just sort of brushed him off because I wasn't gonna be with somebody that was married (laughs) so that's that's really I don't know why I thought that if I saw a ring on his finger or something I don't know but well you know um Pam is a very uh, effervescent, outgoing person. You know, I've, I've always said that, you know, mm-hmm. uh, she'll make a friend out of somebody within 10 minutes after she meets them. I wouldn't say I'm the opposite. I'm not as extroverted as her, maybe a tendency more towards the introverted side. Particularly at the time, it was I was kind of pretty shy when it comes to just approaching women. So I would usually, if I see somebody like in that story, as it starts out, and there she is <laughs> over there, and she's talking to some friends of hers, friends that she just met that day, I guess, she just made friends. And I'm looking at her, and I'm thinking, God, look at those eyes, look at those beautiful, gorgeous green eyes. It's like a jaded pools of green or something like that. It was just incredibly stunning. And she was, um, she was having a great time with her friends, and I thought... Okay, that's pretty cool. She was the most attractive woman there at the orientation. So, well, how does it make you feel hearing him well, it's talk very about you like that? Heartwarming and and beautiful. I just feel like I'm the luckiest person in the world, and I have an uncle that said that we make our own luck, and so I feel like I was very fortunate. And and I think as I have gotten to be in his family and he's gotten to be in mine that he was destined to be in my family for sure. Yeah. I think after reading your story, I was like, my, my immediate question was, well, you were sold. You knew you like were in love <laughs> with this like, girl. Wow, really? Did you go straight to like exclusivity or were you? Uh, no, I was very smitten. And I in fact was going out um, with a guy, a Jewish guy that was in medical school at UCSD and I used to go there and study at night because I lived in La Jolla and, and we were going to San Diego State. And again, I told myself, well, I wasn't exclusive with anybody. Right. And so as soon as I met Walt, it was like, goodbye. You know, it was like <laughs> it wasn't quite goodbye. <laughs> yeah. so here, there's a little there's a little interesting story there. So the, what happened was that she had um, the next week as she invited me over for a graduation party at her at her place. And. I did not know, and I don't think the other person knew, but she invited both of us at the same time. Well, he was already invited. He was you, already you invited. I just met. So yeah, I said, so she ahead. invited me, but I did not know that her her soon-to-be ex-boyfriend was already going to be there. And so I walk into the place, and I'm thinking, there's a vibe here that's going on here that's kind of strange. And she wasn't hardly talking to me. She wasn't really interacting with me. And I'm thinking to myself, this is, this is kind of strange here. What's going on? And then... I sort of I saw her talking to this guy, and the next thing I know, he leaves, and then a moment or two after that, she's on me like white on rice. And so, um, <laughs> so that was uh, <laughs> out with the old, in with the yeah, new. Yeah, <laughs> it was like that was that was it, and then we just sort of we'd been a couple really ever since. 
Pam, did you break up with him right there on the party or what? How did is, did he just happen to leave or what? No, was I wouldn't say we were even boyfriend and girlfriend. I mean, it was like we just used to meet at the library kind of thing. I wouldn't say we, that. We guys were dating for a while. Well, we were dating, you know, but I. So it was casual. It but was, did you cut him loose nothing. right there? Like, did he why did he leave? Or, well, I never. I don't. It was. I it was sort of no, kind of like this. Okay, okay, you're dismissed. No, it wasn't like that. It wasn't like that. It was more just. I don't know. I don't remember the conversation at all. I didn't. I, I wasn't privy to the conversation, I but I did, I, I did happen to observe the conversation. Well, I think he saw that I was kind of interested in you more, maybe. I don't know. Well, anyway, right. so you both kind um, of met each other, like, after at the end of the semester, like, you really started a relationship, right. and right. it was like you were both kind of clearing the decks for this to be exclusive right. yeah. pretty soon. I was, right? not, I was not involved with anybody, uh, anybody specific at the time, so my, uh, my decks were more clear than hers were. And yeah. then what about your courtship? Was it also, did you have like, were there ups and downs or was it pretty much once you guys started dating, you were like, um, this is it? So the courtship lasted about three and a half years. We met on December 11th, 12th, 12, 12, 1981. Right. Uh, we were, uh, we moved in together I think by January of 83, Two. 82, no, because it was a year later. And then we got married in 1985. Okay, let me tell you the funny story because um, I was living with my mom who was divorced, getting a divorce from my dad. They'd been married 32 years. And that affected me in a very horrible way because um, I wasn't ever going to get married when I left to move to California. And that when I broke up with the other guy, it was really because my parents couldn't make it. There was no way I would be able to make it. So I was just out. That was not going to happen. Anyway, after I met Wald and he started to stay over, he wanted to always get up at like two in the morning and leave because my mother was in another room at the other side of the condo. And I said, you know, you don't know my mom like I know my mom. Like I'm the third daughter of four. Okay. So my two older sisters paved the way. My parents were, they weren't stupid, but he was uncomfortable. So about four nights later, he gets up and finally he, he oversleeps. We both do. And it's like, I don't know, seven in the morning. And he's trying to tiptoe out of the apartment. And my mother yells, goodbye, Walter. <laughs> <laughs> We've never forgotten that. And we used it's to like laugh those, about it. Um, yeah. It's like one of those cringeworthy moments. You're going, oh. <laughs> yeah. But she didn't I care. Know. She loved him. She loved him. Yeah. But, that's but, what, what what did you love most about each other when you met, and what do you love most about each other now? Pam has Pam has a heart of gold. She really does. Um, she wears her feelings honestly. They're extremely important for her. They tell her everything that she needs to know about herself. This, these days, you might say that I was a little bit more, let's say, intellectually focused and maybe a little bit more bookwormish when I was when I first met her. She was the opposite. She said, "No, I don't. I don't really get into that. I like to be able to just get, kind of be with people and just get connected that way." Fast forward forty years, I've become more extroverted and outgoing, and she's become more <laughs> more bookwormish and intellectual while still retaining that part of her. What about you, Pam? Um, what I loved about him then is what I love about him now, but um, his kindness, you know, his empathy, his compassion, his listening, his 
sweetness, um, no ego, no machoism kind of thing, no um, tough guy. It was really, you know, and anybody that talked to him, even though I was the more social one, but if you really sit down and talk to him, you can't not love the guy. So I loved being a parent with him and I am absolutely loving being grandparents mm. with him because I get to see that all over again, you know, that what we saw with our own kids and, and without the struggle of being a parent and doubting yourself all the time. And it just brings me so much joy that they turned out the way they did. And I always credited Walt because I I had such a hard time as a young mom with our daughter. I was in postpartum depression. I didn't feel I was cut out to be a mom. And I always doubted myself. When I see the kids and, you know, I used to joke, well, Walt did a really good job raising the kids, but we did an exceptional job. I mean, people, people talk to us about our kids and I'm not surprised, but I'm proud. I'm just so proud of who they are as young adults and the way they want to hang out with us. Like we, I never thought we were so fun, <laughs> but they must really, you know, like to hang around. And so I'm, I just feel incredibly blessed. I, you know, I, I, yeah. you guys talked about how you had your own, you had to kind of reconcile your parents' relationships before you got married and really kind of started your own family. What do you think your kids, how do you think your kids reflect on your marriage as they kind of grapple with their own marriages or their own relationships? Oh. You know, in a situation where I grew up, I had to sort of had to reinvent what was normal. You know, I had to, in some way, shape or form, I had to kind of discover that for myself. And so I went to a number of different places and resources and talked to different people about how to do that. But I think with Pam and I, I think one of the things that we've been able to do is make it simple for our kids to come mm -hmm. to us and to see how that would work. My philosophy has always been that in a marriage, you have to, a couple has to kind of figure out how they're going to be with each other if they're upset about something. You know, what's the best and most useful way that you can be for your spouse if she's upset or she's sick? Mm -hmm. We've done a really, I think, a really good job about that. We've been able to protect our marriage and our marriage is better now than it was when we were... A lot younger. A lot younger <laughs> and, when, and when we first started yeah. out. Well, you guys are an absolute delight and a pleasure. And I can tell you, I don't, you know, I don't know how your kids see you, but you, I see you guys as an absolute unit and life is going to throw you curveballs, but you guys, you know, st stuck together and that's just it choosing each other all the time. Right. The Despite foundation the is stuff. there. Um, but thank you for sharing your love story with us. It was such a charming and fun, fun read. Thanks for joining us today. If you want to get started writing your life stories and want to give the gift of StoryWorth to a loved one, head over to StoryWorth.com. We'll be back in two weeks with another fun story from our many talented writers. And in the meantime, if you want one of your stories to be considered for the podcast, head to StoryWorth.com slash podcast. StoryWorth is a production of Evergreen Podcasts, hosted by me, Krista Baum, and produced by Aaron Land. We get production help from Wendy Sabroso, and our mix engineer is Zach Hurst. Happy Valentine's Day, everybody.